Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz Today. Welcome back to Tony Katz Today. I'm your guest host today, Kira Davis, author of Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Must Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. And I want you to know that even though we're talking about a lot of bad news, in that book, I give you actionable steps that you can take right where you are. Right in, right in the position that you are right now in your community. You don't have to be running for office. You don't have to be wealthy. I give you actionable steps for making change right where you are. And that is the task ahead of us, people. We're all going to have to get in this game. I know you don't want to be bothered. I know you want to do the right thing, which is go to work, earn money for your family, come home, support your family, and spend time loving on them. I know that's what you want to do. But freedom doesn't protect itself. The Constitution is just a piece of paper if people don't stand up and defend it. So you can go find that book on Amazon or wherever you you buy your books and, and get in this game. It's a strategy. It is a strategy. And that's what we need to be thinking strategically. I told you before the break that I've got a really fun story about bread. It's not really fun. But we were talking about this minimum wage law that's passed here in California restaurant workers and fast food, excuse me, fast food chains will now be required to pay a $20 an hour minimum wage. I went to my local McDonald's recently. Don't judge me. I'm not very proud of it, but they do have the best fountain Coke in America. So I went to McDonald's the other day and I, like I have said before, I live in, in a, a nice, suburb where you know everyone's working we have all of the amenities here and there was almost no one working at that mcdonald's almost everyone was gone they're already preparing for this this law comes into effect april 1st so in a month they're already preparing there's almost no one working in there and it was clear to me because i know who the restaurant owner is that a lot of people there were were in within his own family so that's and that's not how it was before so it's clear to me he's he's struggling to staff that location and then when mcdonald's is the cheap meal it used to be the cheap meal for people on the go opposite now you're looking at twenty dollars for a big mac meal at mcdonald's so this twenty dollar an hour minimum wage for restaurant workers is having the effect that you reasonable people out there would think. But somebody got an exemption here in California. Guess who it was? Panera Bread. You have a Panera Bread store near you? Yeah, Panera Bread gets an exemption from the twenty dollar per hour minimum wage. I'm reading this story out of Reason.com, and you're gonna know from this first paragraph, just how Panera got this exemption. When fast food restaurants across California have to start paying workers $20 per hour on April 1st, one major chain will be exempted from the mandate. And it just so happens to have a connection to a longtime friend and donor to Governor Gavin Newsom. Panera Bread is poised to get a boost from a bizarre clause in the fast food minimum wage law that exempts, quote, chains that bake bread and sell it as a standalone item. Adding Newsom pushed for that break, according to people familiar with the matter. So in that law, there is an exemption for restaurants that sell 
bake and sell breads as a standalone item. If I owned the local McDonald's, I would get a bread making machine in there. And I would just start selling individual loaves of bread. I'd sell, you know, two or three a day. I don't know. I just put, I'd make two or three a day, put them out to be sold so I could get this exemption. Panera Bread gets an exemption <laughs> because chains that bake bread and sell it as a standalone item are exempted. Do you, do you need any more proof that these people are all totally and completely corrupt? Do I need to remind you about what Gavin Newsom did during the pandemic here? Because it was national news. I don't care where you were. You heard about this. He shut down restaurants across the state, but he kept the restaurants that he was part owner in. He kept them open. And then he got caught dining at the French Laundry, a $10,000 a plate restaurant. Not just dining, folks. Dining with a party of people, 20 people. At the time, this guy was sending police out to arrest lone surfers in the middle of the ocean for being outside. He closed down Orange County beaches to punish us because we, we like freedom in this part of California. And we did what we wanted anyways, despite what the state was saying. So we were punished severely for that. Shut down the, the public beaches, all the outdoor areas. This is the same guy who supported things like the city of San Clemente filling in a skate park with sand. We took the kids out of school. We kept them away from their friends. We told them that they would murder their grandparents if they got close to them. We robbed them of social skills. We robbed them of the necessary development that comes from school life and socializing with other people. And then we told them they can't even go outside. And we, and to prove that point, we filled in their skate park with sand. That's what this guy was supporting, but his friends get an exemption. Why? Well, Newsom's gonna run for president. If he doesn't run this year, he's definitely running in 28. And this guy's got a lot of money. This is what we're up against, people. Just absolute mass corruption. So frankly, this to me looks like something that every fast food restaurant could use to get around this law. And then what's gonna happen? We're gonna need another law to fill in that gap. That's how all this works, right? That is why freedom is always the best choice. Limited government is always the best choice. Because you, you don't have to keep making laws to correct human nature. And that's what we're seeing here. We are dealing with an entire population of people embodied by the progressive left that thinks they can legislate human instinct, that thinks they can legislate human nature. And our founding fathers knew that human nature was beyond our control, especially when it came to, when it comes to communities of people, especially when it comes to government. So what do we do? We leave people to control their own human nature and we develop laws based around the simplest idea of protecting the freedom of the individual and protecting our national borders. And both of those are under extreme attack right now. While we were on the break, Carl, uh, producer Carl, <laughs> sent me this story about, I didn't see this, President Trump was talking to the uh, a Black Conservative Federation and he, he said some interesting things. He said, uh, let's see, 
he says that, well, first of all, some uh, people are mad at Trump always, right? Trump derangement syndrome is a real thing. <laughs> but he's been condemned recently by the president of ABC News, Kimberly Godwin. She says he's as racist as they come. Why did she say this? Well, he was speaking to the Black Conservative Federation and he was talking about his indictments. And he said this, I got indicted a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And a lot of people said, that's why the black people like me because they have hurt because they've been hurt so badly and discriminated against. And they actually viewed me as I'm being discriminated against. I know Tony was talking about this. You can go to the podcast for Tony Katz today and you can hear his comments on the issue. But I know that <laughs> this whole thing is ridiculous. Here's, here's what you need to start doing, everybody. If you have the gumption, maybe you just want to stay silent. When someone says something like this about President Trump, you ask them why. Ask why. As a matter of fact, when someone says anything crazy to you, because there's so many crazy assertions being floated around out there, you ask them why. Most of these people can't explain why they believe what they do. Why would you consider Tr President Trump a racist? I frankly don't. I'm a black voter. I have no idea other than he's just a white guy. He wasn't a racist when he was in every movie and on every TV show and invited to every party in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. He, he, every Democrat knows Donald Trump and they've known him for years. And they've taken his money and they've taken his invitations to the parties. He wasn't a racist then. What made him a racist? We just put an R behind his name. But President Trump is also one of the only Republicans who has specifically reached into the black community. You might not like the way he sounds when he does it, but he's not a typical politician. That is what a lot of black people I know, particularly black men, respect about him. He doesn't mince his words and he doesn't patronize. He just, he doesn't try to, oh, I'm going to try to find the right wording for this so I don't offend anyone. He just tells you what he thinks. And so the president of ABC might look at those comments or here's a comment from KJP, Corinne Jean-Pierre. It's repugnant and divisive to traffic in racist stereotypes that have the effect of tearing all Americans down. Oh, I, why don't you look in the mirror, KJP? Excuse you. Anyway, continuing. And in any context, it's profane to compare the long, painful history of abuse and discrimination suffered by Black Americans to something totally different from self-serving purposes. My God, she could be talking about the LGBTQ plus 2IA and all the other letters of the alphabet community. If I have to hear one more time how trans, the, the, the battle for, quote, imaginary trans rights can be compared to the civil rights movement, I'm, I'm going to poke my eye out. They do this all the time. Is it, is it, I, I don't think it's trafficking and stereotypes to say, I think black people understand what discrimination is and what being unjustly uh, prosecuted by the law is, I think they understand it. And I think that gives them some measure of sympathy for me. I don't 
think that's racist, but tell me what else Donald Trump has done that's racist. You tell me, give me a call, 317-239-9393, 317-239-9393. What makes Donald Trump a racist? Prove it to me, show me. Don't just say it. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we've got lots more to talk about. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you are listening to Tony Katz today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony on his way to Israel. Uh, breaking news, Mitch McConnell is stepping down as the Senate Republican leader in November. So this is the end of an era. And uh, we can talk a little bit later uh, in the show about what that might mean for the party and elections moving forward. I think there are some things we need to think about here. But let's go to the phones because we've got some callers um, wanting to talk about Trump and racism as we did on the last segment. Let's go to Leo. Leo, welcome to Tony Katz today. It's so good to talk to you. How are you doing? Uh, great to talk to you as well. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm great. So what do you think about President Trump? Is he a racist? I don't believe that at all. I think he's a great person. Uh, he has a great spirit, and he's just outspoken. He's, he's a New Yorker. And I just think that— He's a New Yorker? Uh, no, I'm, Leo, I'm a Midwest let me ask guy. you this. Yes. Let me ask you this. Are you are you black? Yes, yes, ma'am, my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. It's a wild ride. But but you don't you, you don't think he's racist. You just think that he's straightforward. Not at all. He, yeah, he's just out. He's he. Okay, I think where we are now, people lead more with their emotions instead of their logic or their mind, and then that's a dangerous thing because when you lead with your emotion, you make decisions based on that, and it's not in logic. And um, I just think that's what's going on now. I think we're a softer generation of people, and there's a saying that strong men make it easy for people, and and, and weak people make it hard. So you know, make it harder for everybody else. So I believe that people are just in their emotions right now, and they're not looking at the policy, and they're not looking. They're not. They're like I said, things based on emotion, and I think that's where we're all messing up at. And uh, are you? Let me ask you this, Leo. Are you offended by Trump's description of why he thinks black black people, particularly black men, like him? That he's being indicted, and and that speaks to the black community. Some people say that that's kind of a racist trope or racist stereotype. How do you feel about it? No, I just think the way he explains things, like you said, that's what he feels in his heart, and he's straight. He's a straight shooter, and he's coming from the business world, and so there's mm-hmm. there is, there's there's that validity to what his statement, the statements that he made. We may he may not have said it and sprinkled sugar on top of it like everybody <laughs> wants him to do, and I think that's the issue. And I just think that we need to get away from that. Um, and even with all this statement you're saying about as far as the trans community. Uh, trying to compare themselves to the civil rights. See, I, I think that I can't I can't change my skin color, so I didn't have a choice. I was born into this and not saying that a person they have the right to feel and identify however they want to. And I I, I respect that. If you if you're a man and you want to be identified yeah. as a woman, that's fine. Nobody's saying that you don't have that right, but don't tell me that when I see you, I, I see a man when I see you. And, that, right. and that's my right, you know, because I'm that's my reality. 
Don't pee on me and tell me it's raining champagne. All right. Thank you, Leo. Thank you for that call. Well, you you heard it from Leo. He's just one guy, but I think I, I agree with him. Trump's just a straight shooter. That's what a lot of black people respect about him. People who are on his side. All right. Let's go to Lester. Lester, welcome to Tony Katz today. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Lester, I, I tell, tell the, me what's on your mind. I agree with the uh, last caller. Trump says things just the way he sees it, the same way it is me. Don't ask my opinion if you can't stand what I tell you. <laughs> is, is, is some of Trump's uh, remarks sometimes a little edgy? Yes, they are. Here's the thing. If it pokes somebody, it's probably because that person's got an issue and they need to look in the mirror. Mm. Because I, I'm uh, Caucasian. I've been that my whole life. I grew up in a um, mostly black neighborhood in the South during the 60s and 70s. Mm-hmm. I've seen a lot of racism. I've seen a lot of reverse racism. Mm-hmm. I've had my best friends call names that I would not want to repeat. And I've been called the same names because of my skin color. People in this world need to get over it. Get on with life. Life is too short. We don't know when our last day is. Enjoy life and quit picking uh, like a chicken out in a damn uh, barnyard. You know, (laughs) enjoy life. I hear you, Lester. Thank you so much for that phone call. I couldn't put it any any better. People need to get over themselves. That and and that's what I feel that might be a great slogan for the new Trump campaign. Get over yourselves, America. We've had work to do here. You're worrying about the 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 formulation of the words coming out of my mouth. They don't sound sensitive enough or I haven't put them together in in a way that sounds academic enough. People are sick of that. I can listen to Gavin Newsom throw out $10 words all day long, and he still has said nothing. When Trump speaks, I know what he thinks. I may not like what he thinks, but I know what he thinks. And that's what people are responding to, even on the left. I loved, I love what Lester had to say. Don't ask me a question if you don't want my opinion. That's how I go through life. Everybody who is a fan and a friend of Kira Davis knows this. Do not ask Kira a question you don't really want the answer to. I tell my kids that all the time. Consider what you're asking me before you ask it, because I'm going to tell you the answer. And you might not like it. So, And that is who Trump is. You might not like what he has to say. But he's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. And I I think because we're not used to that from our political class, it sounds foreign and scary. It sounds like aggression when it's really just straightforwardness. I think our first caller, Leo, Leo said it right. Okay, maybe he didn't put it in the in the terms that you wanted him to put it in. But what he's recognizing is that something very wrong is happening here. And people who have traditionally been the victims of, of, a, of a twisted justice system will understand that. That's not racism. Democrats want us to look at race in every case except for when it applies to a Republican, in a Republican situation. What on earth makes Donald Trump a racist? Prove it to me. Prove it to me. Don't just throw that accusation out there. 
it's completely empty at this point and Trump knows it. And I think most common sense Americans know it at this point as evidenced by Lester's great call as well. Well, thanks. Thank you guys for, for that, for those calls. We'll be back after the break and don't go anywhere. I'm Kira Davis. I'm filling in for Tony Katz. He's on his way to Israel. And this is Tony Katz today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Kira Davis, author of Drawing Lines, Why Conservatives Need to Begin to Battle Fiercely in the Arena of Ideas. You can find that on Amazon or wherever you find your books. Follow me on Twitter at RealKiraDavis. Subscribe to my Substack where you'll see all kinds of thoughts on all kinds of things. Just KiraDavis.substack.com. Uh, you might find this interesting. Uh, a new study finds that female psychopaths are surprisingly common. This comes out of the UK. I know some of you, some of you men out there are nodding your heads. Mm -hmm, yeah, <laughs> I didn't need a million dollar study to tell me that. Dr. Clive Body, an expert in corporate psychopathy from Ant Anglia Ruskin University is set to present his findings at the Cambridge Festival. While current estimates tell us male psychopaths outnumber females by roughly six to one, Dr. Body believes prior studies have failed to properly identify female psychopaths, maybe due in large part to basing profiles around criminal and male psychopaths. Dr. Body posits the characteristics of female psychopaths are quite different from males. And he also noticed notes that gender bias plays a role in under reporting as society tends to ignore perceived male traits when they're displayed by women. According to his latest re research, the rate ratio of male to female psychopathy may be roughly uh, 1.2 to one or up to five times higher than previously estimated. He reached his conclusion by usually using measures of primary psychopathy or excluding psychopathy's antisocial behavioral characteristics and instead concentrating on its core elements. And so he says, uh, female psychopaths tend to be more manipulative than males, use different techniques to create good impressions and use deceit and sexually seductive behavior to gain social and financial advantages more often than male psychopaths. I mean, look, as a woman who watches Dateline incessantly, I can tell you that this is true. How many shows a week, uh, by the way, if you, if you have, if you subscribe to NBC's Peacock app, streaming app, there's a 24 seven Dateline channel. You're welcome. So when I'm by myself at night and I'm just like chilling out for the night, I like to knit. I grab my knitting and I put on the 24 seven Dateline channel. And it's just like, it's like drinking. I don't drink anymore. So it gives me that feeling of just, Murder relaxes me, I guess. But uh, every other show is about some murderous female who, who killed her husband almost exclusively. Uh, it was a crime of passion. My in-laws, my father-in-law was a pastor in Gary for over 40 years. And he and his wife did prison ministries and they worked a lot in women's prisons. And they said, they gave me a number one time. They said something like, 82% of women in prison are there for crimes of passion. 
So crimes related to romance. Absolutely, I believe that women can be psychopaths. Have you seen Fannie Willis on the stand in Georgia? Psychopath, defensive. I, I mean, I'm not calling her a murderer, but I wouldn't be surprised if she showed up on Dateline one time in the future. I don't know. I thought you guys might find, find that a little interesting, <laughs> some interesting news from the world of, of female crazy people. You know, give us our equality. We can be just as crazy as men. It's just a different kind of crazy. But this is, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but let me just tell you, this is why gender matters. This is because we're saying this report here, it certainly wasn't what he meant to say, but it's what I extrapolated from it. This report is saying, look, women can be crazy in their own ways, but it's very female centric. We have different qualities and we use them differently. And I always say this about the workplace. The feminists are working so hard to bleed gender out of everything that all they're doing is, is ending up trying to make women into men, which of course we're seeing quite literally happening in the gender ideology scape. But all of the qualities that we're told are, are supposed to be girl boss, you know, this girl boss character that we see everywhere now. I'm so sick of the girl boss. My kingdom for a strong male lead. Really? I don't want to see girl bosses because those are male characteristics. We are, we are taking every strength and advantage that women have out of corporate America. And then we're telling them, you need to be more like a man. You need to exhibit these male qualities. You need to be more stern, uncaring. You need to treat sex the way you think men treat sex. You need to treat power the way you think men treat power. And that's how you'll get ahead. You need to treat your job the way men treat their jobs. That's what they're telling us. But what they do is they rob, of us, rob us of all the tools we have because of our gender. A woman who knows how to use her God-given qualities is going to have a lot more power. Men respond to how women look. If you want to be more powerful in a, in a corporate boardroom, there's nothing wrong with using your looks to wield a little bit of power. However you think that shakes out. I'm not saying you have to go and, and, and dress like you know, a prostitute. But what I'm saying is you use what is an advantage to our gender, our sex. So we wonder why, why aren't women achieving more equality? We're not allowed to use the tools that we have as women because somehow that's discriminatory. And all it does is make us more like men. I wrote an article in on my Substack, justkiradavis.substack.com recently. I wrote it, I was reviewing another article in Rolling Stone about actress Kristen Stewart. You may remember her from the Twilight franchise. She had a torrid affair with one of her co-stars co and then a director, and she was in the gossips forever. And recently, like so many people in Hollywood, she's decided she's gay. So they did this whole profile on her. I read all, it was, it was 6,000 words. It was really long. And almost every word was about her sexuality. It was about, it was about that. Yeah, it was about her sex and sexuality. And she's on the cover with very masculine, in a very masculine poses and masculine traits. And the whole article, she talks about how, oh, I, I, I want to, 
shove this in people's faces. I want people to look at me and, and feel scared. I want to, you know, present this different kind of image of sexuality. I want you to, um, I want you to hear what she said here. And she does use some language. I won't use it, but be prepared. She says, I want to do the gayest effing thing you've ever seen in your life, Kristen Stewart says in Rolling Stone's new cover story. If I could grow a little mustache, if I could grow a effing happy trail and unbutton my pants, I would. Now, I think it's very interesting that Kristen Stewart's image of what the gayest thing could be is male-centric. I find it very interesting that Kristen Stewart's opinion of what a powerful lo woman looks like and sounds like is male centric. Do you think that's an accident? We are looking at the erasure of womanhood here. It's no different than what the progressive left says was happening during the women's suffrage movement or was happening before the civil rights movement or women are being oppressed and, and corporate America is full of misogyny. Nothing has changed. Only the perpetrators have changed. Did you see this video of Winsome Sears, best name in the world? She should be an actress. Winsome Sears. I, I, I honestly, I feel bad that I, I, my childbearing years are over because I would love to have another baby girl just to name her Winsome. I wish I had seen that name before I gave birth 16 years ago. But she, as the lieutenant governor, she's president of the state Senate. And there is a transgender representative named Danica Rome. He's a man, but he calls himself a woman, Danica Rome. And Danica was speaking and Winsome Sears referred to him as sir, right? She referred to a man as a man. And this guy, like most toxic males do when they don't get their way, he threw a a tantrum and stormed out. That's what toxic men do when they don't get their way. And the transgender movement is being led by a lot of very toxic men. She had to apologize. I don't know if she had to, but I'm assuming she had to. She did apologize, which is a mistake. You never apologize, but I'm not in her position and I don't know what marching orders she got from the party. You have to understand like being on the inside is a lot different than being on the outside. You have to, you have to pick your battles. So I'm not willing to throw her under the bus because she apologized, but I will tell you that's a mistake. You never apologize. And of course it, it's not enough. Of course they just take that apology and, and use it as proof that she should not be in her position. But we are looking at the erasure. This is a black woman, a white man scolding her for honoring science and, and biology, a white man telling her that she's the bigot, a white man saying, I'm not going to do business with you. I'm not going to work with you because I don't like you. I don't like what you said. A white man doing that to a black woman. Yes, we are engaged in the erasure of womanhood. Did you see that other story the other day in about uh, Canada? Well, the, the British healthcare system, NHS, put out this ridiculous report about how, quote, uh, transgender breast milk is just as healthy 
as formula or natural breast milk. So you can give a man a, a chemical cocktail that will produce some form of lactation. And now in Canada, they're allowing transgender men to use this. Transgender men who somehow have access to infants that they call their own. There's a whole other, there's a discussion brewing everybody in the conservative community right now. And I think it's about to boil over about surrogacy and the strangeness and dangers of surrogacy. And it's a very delicate subject because so many people use surrogacy slash IVF treatments it's a very delicate subject, subject, but even President Trump is starting to mention this. It's starting to boil over. Well, one of the issues with surrogacy is, is perverts being able to buy babies. And that's kind of what we saw up in Canada. There's this transgender guy. And you I, look, you look at the guy and he looks like a pervert. He looks like a crazy person who's got an infant attached to his fake breast. It's bizarre, but we are, it's just a new form of misogyny, everybody. That's all it is. If this grown white man can look at this grown black woman and say, you're the bigot because you won't call me a woman. What is that but misogyny? It's time for America to put on our thinking caps. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we've got more ahead. We're going to talk about uh, what's going on in, in, in the job market and what might be coming to a mall near you if the border issues continue this way. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you're listening to Tony Katz Today. Welcome back to Tony Katz today. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz as he travels. You are uh, listening to me coming to you live from the left coast. And we've been talking about the border and trans breast milk. Uh, we really do live in the upside down. I posted, go to my Twitter at real Kira Davis. I posted a clip of Tony talking about the, the very uh, perverted it, the lies that we're being told, these people are looking directly into our eyes and telling us not to believe those lying eyes. And they're doing it around every corner. Well, I promised you this story, a story that, uh, that has a big effect here in California, but is definitely coming to a city near you for sure. Macy's is closing its flagship San Francisco store in Union Square, which is a big, very historic shopping district that has suffered deeply from California's unfettered crime and our border issues. There, They have, Union Square is, practically empty at this point. I don't know if you've been to San Francisco ever, or if you've been there recently, but if you've ever been there in the past, you know, it's one of the, it's, it's a crown in the jewel of American cities. It is a gorgeous and historic city. And if you've been there recently, it will break your heart. It's like something you see out of the movies. LA is the same way. I don't have a single conversation with somebody in LA ever that doesn't eventually devolve into crime. And I've my friends, their cars are getting broken into. I have a friend who's in property management and she tells me all the time, yeah, I'm probably going to die by getting killed by a homeless person. That's probably how I'll die. God forbid. 
Of course, she can't defend herself because she can't carry a gun in Los Angeles. Well, Macy's is closing their flagship store, but it's not just in San Francisco. They're closing 150 stores across the country, 30% of their total locations over the next three years, including 50 just including 50 just this year alone. So uh, we're disappointed to hear about the closure of the historically significant store in Union Square, said United Food and Commercial Workers International Union President John Frame. We will do everything we can to ensure that the members of UFCW transition into good jobs. What jobs? That's the whole point. I'd harken back to last hour when we talked about Carol Markowitz's great piece on Fox Digital today, talking about how what she saw when she went to the border. She's asked, where have the three million people that crossed the border? Where have they gone? Where, what are they doing? Where are they working? They're not delivering food. They don't want agricultural jobs. They're not in the agricultural jobs. What are they doing? I hate to tell you this, but a large portion of these people are doing this, stealing and shutting down major retails, retailers in major cities. We had a smash and grab ring here in Orange County. I live in Orange County, California. We had a smash and grab ring migrate here to Orange County from Los Angeles County. And that is the first and last I heard of it. You know why? Because we have a prosecutor that prosecutes crime. Todd Spitzer is his name. We'll prosecute crime. So we don't see the same levels, although it is getting worse. We don't seem the, see the same levels that we do in Los Angeles. This is a huge issue. Nordstrom's is gone. Bloomingdale's is suffering. Old Navy is gone. In and out, closed down in Oakland. We are under duress. It's time to start flying the flag upside down in this state and maybe across the country. All right, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to talk about Rob Reiner's new movie, God and Country, and his, well, not-so-nice portrayal of American Christians. I'm Kira Davis filling in for Tony Katz, and you're listening to Tony